Hello and welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and we are uh, extraordinarily fortunate to have with us today Ani Patton Power, all the way from uh, the other side of the world. We're excited to have her. She is an author and uh, Oxford professor and uh, an extraordinary expert on impact investing. Ani, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you and grateful that you would make the time. Uh, Especially, I know it's evening uh, where you're recording uh, there in South Africa. So thank you very much for making time. And I'm, I'm glad the electricity showed up for this, too. It's a rare event, but it does every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as you roll into summer there, you there are a lot of air conditioners. And I, I uh, some of the turning off the power, right? You, know, you got to manage on batteries and things for hours while while there's no no grid power. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of solar here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a little uh, impact investing club and uh, one of our members is in Johannesburg. And so we we uh, she's very focused on uh, renewable energy technologies because she wants to see that uh, as a resource very personally. So uh, we're just thrilled to have you here to talk about that kind of thing. Um, let's talk first about your book, just to frame the discussion a little bit. Um, you you are the author of Adventure Finance. Tell us about that book. So Adventure Finance is um, the tagline, how to create a funding journey that blends profit and purpose. Um, I wrote um, the book um, now three years ago, essentially in the middle of the uh, pandemic. I suddenly had um, a, a bunch of time on my hands because um, I wasn't um, flying around teaching. And uh, the book is really designed for founders and for funders that are interested in um, options, alternative options for funding, particularly outside of traditional venture capital um, and bank debt. So a lot of people think that they're the only options that they have as a founder is to go to a bank, to go to a venture capitalist, or to get grants. And there's actually a whole spectrum of options. And so the book is um, has all of these dozens of um, different options that are available, um, particularly to mission-driven funders and founders. And um, the book is really about how to understand what type of funding you need and what the options are and really how to how to get started um, on that on that funding journey and continue on that funding journey that works for you and for the mission of your organization. What are some of the central lessons that you would share with us as you as you think about your your book? Uh, what are some of the key messages that you want uh, founders to take away from the book? Absolutely. The biggest one um, so is to start out by knowing yourself. So who are you? What type of funding do you need? How mission um, driven are you as an organization? So really, I always tell founders to start out by understanding yourself, both as an individual as well as an organization, as well as the real needs of your organization. And then going on that funding journey to understand what type of funding is actually right for you. 
So often funders, particularly the types of funders that are mission driven, just stick to traditional types of funding options, which means founders think they only have traditional types of um, funding options. And so what we see is we see social enterprises contort themselves into the venture capital box, even though the exponential growth, growth at all costs, build fast and break things doesn't necessarily work for most founders. And then conversely, a lot of founders go to pitch to VCs and are told they're not investable. And then they think that they're not going to be a successful company when amount of venture capital raised does not equal success. So, you know, for me, I think the the biggest thing that I try and take away or get founders to take away is that there are funding options that do not require you to sell your soul or to promise exponential growth or to try and be something that you're not as an organization. You can be a community-owned organization and find funding. You can be a small scale and continuing to be a small scale organization. Um, You can be very committed to your social purpose um, and not be willing to compromise that. And it's about finding the the right type of funding um, for you. Now, let's chat a little bit about the other side of the coin. Uh, what does that imply for investors who want to support those kinds of mission-driven, community-oriented businesses? What, what do we as investors do? Absolutely. And as you know, Devin, this is my my bread and butter. I work um, with um, founders and funders mostly, though, um, on how to design these types of strategies. So for funders, the biggest takeaway is to create a, a toolkit. Um, and this is what the book does. Um, and really, a lot of my work is, is around helping funders to understand the types of funding that they can make available to organizations that address systematic challenges. So for instance, female entrepreneurs, something I'm really passionate about, and I do my own angel investing into female entrepreneurs, have been, have been systematically underfunded by venture capital for a variety of reasons. Now, there are people that are very passionate about, and I do a bit of work in getting more women into venture capital, making more you know, VC investments into women, great initiatives. But at the same time, there are fundamental flaws in the venture capital model, some of which expect founders to you know, give everything for growth, work 100 hours a week, 200 hours a week, be running businesses that are you know, essentially only exponentially um, growth set oriented. And there are a lot of female entrepreneurs that don't want that. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs in general. So it's not just about making VC work for women. It's about looking at and saying, what type of funding actually makes sense for female entrepreneurs that want to grow businesses, social or not? And so what I get funders to do is to look at a variety of options, things like revenue-based financing, redeemable equity, SME MES loans, thinking about how do you, how would you potentially use what is called trade finance or supply chain financing? What are the ways in which you as a funder could actually create options for founders that are applicable for their um, for their own investing? So crowdfunding, for instance, you can do crowd 
based lending as opposed to just equity crowdfunding. That's something individuals can do. Also, there's more of a need for more products to be developed by banks and other institutions for retail investors to be able to invest in to create affordable access to um, debt financing is another thing that I'm um, working on as well. So there, for funders, the fundamental thing is, is to build a toolkit of options to be able to actually broaden the type of funding that's available um, for organizations that are trying to build um, essentially a, a better world for, you know, take a little bit of the cliche. Well, it, it's, uh, it's such important work. It really is. And, but it seems to me in, in my limited experience as an investor in these kinds of deals that reasonable returns are achievable. Uh, and even venture-like returns are achievable. Uh, a portfolio of venture investments doesn't always do especially well, right? Uh, most, you know, the, the, the middle quartile, you know, the middle quartiles of venture capital returns are pretty ordinary looking. Uh, so most deals, Actually, most funds. Most, most, venture cap, most venture funds lose money. The majority <laughs> of venture funds lose money. Okay, so so the the, the reality is um, we can do well in slow growing businesses if we are thoughtful and careful too, right? Uh, how would you coach someone to sort of underwrite these smaller growth opportunities to look for deals that can start paying back, right? Uh, you know, a business that pays me back half my money on in, in a debt deal uh, is a lot better than one that flames out and returns none of my equity. Right. So how, how do you how do you coach people to find the? To, I mean, let's be real. we got to scrutinize a little bit as investors. We can't just give every woman entrepreneur we encounter money. How do we scrutinize? How do we do the due diligence? So well, there's two things here, Devin. There's due diligence and then there's portfolio construction. So the due diligence, absolutely. It's about understanding, you know, what type of business has the risk um, level um, and what is your own risk tolerance that you're willing to take on. So if we're looking at more sustainable growth or stable growth businesses, then there, there does need to be, you know, for instance, a, a history of revenue. Um, for instance, as something um, that you would look at and the ability or um, another way to look at risk reduction is using something like supply chain financing, whereby you are actually looking at the risk of the payment by a, um, a customer as opposed to the underlying business. So there are ways to play around with with risk, but there's also ways to play around with portfolio construction. So, for instance, I'm going to get a little bit wonky here for just one moment. Uh, so most venture Please. capital portfolios are um, looking for about a 2.8 to three times return over 10 years. That gets you to the IRRs that um, investors are looking for. Now, the way they do that is by um, having 10 investments, one going to the moon, um, and then a couple doing okay, and then the rest failing out. And that's how they get to that three times return, essentially, within their investments. So what investors are doing that are 
using things like revenue-based financing, redeemable equity, or other types of kind of mezzanine, is that they're building portfolios where 80% of the portfolio is going to return that three to four times. And then you're going to have a couple of the companies potentially not do well. It actually, if you're looking for just, you know, similar returns to venture style returns, which not everyone is, that portfolio construction works. So you're completely right. And then it becomes down to due diligence. So how do you find some of these slower growth, more stable, um, well-run businesses that actually need capital, but aren't able to access necessarily bank capital um, or other types of, um, of risk capital? And so it becomes then about choosing the right businesses, but also creating a portfolio where you're looking for more moderate returns from more of the businesses, as opposed to the kind of the, the casino-like effect of venture capital, where you're betting you're, you're betting the house on all of them, hoping that one of them actually comes away. Yeah, it's a brilliant insight. I, I just can't emphasize enough how important uh, what you're explaining to us is as investors, because what you're crafting for us is a way to uh, achieve better than venture returns uh, with lower risk, high impact, uh, very mission aligned. That's exciting. That's exciting it stuff. It's super so, exciting. <laughs> I agree uh, completely. <laughs> I need a break. So um, forgive me. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back in a minute with Ani and we're going to talk to her about her superpower, but you don't want to miss this conversation. Learn how to build stronger communities with investment crowdfunding on December 20th at 1 Eastern. Dorian Dickinson, founder and CEO of Funding Hope, will explain how to use investment crowdfunding as a tool for community building. Register today at thesupercrowd.com. We're grateful for the support of our sponsors and co-hosts. Ever wonder if you can raise money with a community round on WeFunder? It may not be as tricky as you think. You can start right now. Start in under two minutes. Visit wefunder.s4g.biz or scan the QR code to begin. Give it a try. Want to learn from the world's great changemakers? Find your superpower. Subscribe to the Superpowers for Good newsletter at superpowersforgood.com. Make your strengths into superpowers that will change the world. Join the super crowd today. Superpowers number four, good.com. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. We're just so excited. We, we, we have with us today Ani Patton Power, who is an author, Oxford professor, an all-around expert genius on investment crowdfunding and invest, impact investing. We're just thrilled to have Ani with us today. We're going to talk to her uh, now about her superpower. So, Ani, um, you really are uh, an amazingly impressive, accomplished human being. We're thrilled to have you on the show. What is your superpower? This is a fun question, Devin, as you know. Um, so I really think, um, I think I'm going to do two-ish, if that's okay. Um, so one is one of the things that I, I love to do and I feel like um, is, is harder than most people understand is essentially um, putting together and holding a room. So I do a lot of convening um, in my work, both as a professor, um, as well as, as as a speaker, convener. Um, and so I, I love to, you know, 
have take a, a set of individuals on on a journey, um, whether it's in a physical room or um, you know in a virtual room, and um, you start um, from you know a place of of, of curiosity um, and really work towards with insights, et cetera, getting to a place where um, we are we're building things, we're doing things, we're engaging with each other, um, and so for me that like holding conversations and like getting people to be able to to build relationships with each other be able to learn um you know gain knowledge that is something that um i i just absolutely love um and i get to, you know i've been a i've been a professor for um 12 years now and i think i'll probably do it forever like i see myself like still being in oxford if oxford still exists in you know 80 years who knows how long i'm going to be around probably not that long we'll see how technology goes um, and then the other one devin is um i'm really not afraid to do crazy things um and i think to to think quite, um, I would say, innovatively and creatively. And so, and also to, to kind of go public with that. So, um, you know, for 12 years now, basically 13, um, I, I've, I feel like I've tried, been trying to push the envelope in impact investing um, to be you know, more impactful, more innovative, more just trying to change the structures, the processes, the incentives that we we have with an impact investing to really be impactful, to be inclusive. And so I I don't mind going out and, and saying things and you know being a little bit crazy and radical um, because I think it's needed um, and then backing that up. So I think holding together rooms and being maybe a little crazy um, are, are my my superpowers. Those are those are great superpowers, uh, and I, I really uh, appreciate that. I, I want to drill down a little bit on on the being crazy because I think th there are so many people who are change makers who you can identify that that thread, right? You can say, "Oh, there's a little bit of crazy in there," um, and uh, they tend, you know, Steve Jobs is the one, I guess, that most famously pointed this out, right? There's a, there's a, there's a connection between the people who change the world and the people who are crazy enough to think they can, right? Uh, <laughs> and so uh, let, let's spend a minute on that. Uh, can you think of a time when you sort of leaned into that and accomplished something you're proud of having accomplished? Yeah, I mean, I have a few of them. I also like to joke that, you know, I um, <laughs> I bang my head against walls so often I either get concussions or, or get through the walls. Um, so there are times I certainly ha it hasn't worked. Um, but, you know, one that's very timely is um, about a year ago, I was at the, um, the GEN conference, the Global Impact Investing Network conference and made I would say what I kind of thought was a bit of a controversial statement on the stage where I said that um, I didn't think that impact funds should be able to call themselves impact funds if they didn't have some sort of impact linked incentives um, in there as a fund. Um, and so, you know, it sparked some controversy. There was, you know, some great discussions um, on um, some of the different platforms and things like that. Um, and really what I got a lot of is people saying, OK, well, then, you know, how do we do it? How do we do impact linked carry? How do we do impact linked bonuses? And so for the past 10 months, I've actually done a piece of work, a piece of research work with a research team 
And we've done a survey of 200 um, GPs and LPs, and we're about to, in um, about a week and a half, release the report that is quite a substantial report on essentially the considerations that you need to um, consider and the framework um, to be able to do impact link compensation. Um, and, you know, we had over 100 funds that do impact link compensation that we were able to engage with, which is more, I think, than anyone in the industry knew was possible. Um, and so even though it's kind of more mainstream than most of my work, um, which because it's dealing with traditional funds, I'm really quite proud of the fact that now we have this, this data and this kind of guide um, to impact link compensation. And I think in many ways, I was saying this today on a workshop I was running for some funders, I think we've taken the excuse away through this work of people saying it's too hard, it's too complex, we can't do it, no one's doing it. Um, and I really hope, I'm hoping that a year from now, um, there it will really have kind of changed the conversation in the field about impact link compensation from a it's too hard and you know we can't do it because there's just not enough you know data to um oh well we've you know begun the conversation or we've started doing it or it's become something that lps are just kind of requiring and so i'm hopeful about that um and that was being willing to kind of just be like no i think this i think this is how the industry should be i don't see why we're not doing this i don't understand like why are impact funds not incentivizing their teams about impact like wh why is that a thing yeah that, that's uh it is such such important work uh, that you're doing and i uh i want to just ask you uh for kind of this final piece um how can people learn themselves to sort of lean into their own crazy that impulse to to do something totally new totally change the world and that everyone says in the vernacular, right? That's crazy. You can't do that. that that's not how it's done. Uh, how do you coach people to follow that path and actually make a difference in the world? That's a wonderful question. Um, you know, I just often one of something one of the things I often say when I'm when I'm teaching, um, particularly. Um, I love teaching, like, not younger, my, the youngest students I teach are in their 20s. But, um, you know, I often tell them to be courageous and that we are, we're building this world. And when I mean kind of the world of impact investing, innovative financing, we're building this. This is not something that kind of, yes, it exists. Yes, it's, you know, big-ish now. But, like, we get to craft this the way we want to be, want it to be. And so I think, you know, when I'm speaking to my students and um, and, and others, you know, I really do try and exhort them to just to be courageous, to do, you know, to 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 lean into what they believe is right um, and, and should be done. And I think that, you know, this next generation, one of the things I take a lot of, like, I would say, like, heart from is that this next generation, the generation below us, the generation Y is they're so willing to like stand up and be radical and like, you know, like protest on the streets about things that, you know, I think I just, I love how passionate they are. And so I even take heart from, you know, them being willing to, to put that all on the line. And I think we all get to do the things that we, you know, we can do in our own um, capacity. But I, I just, I think everyone, 
everyone sees what's going on in the world, experiences it different ways, but is affected by it. Um, even if you try not to be, you know, people are affected by it. And so, you know, as you know, and as you say, like you just, ha you have to start doing something. Um, it doesn't have to be the craziest thing, but then if it is the craziest thing in, in time, it's probably not going to be anymore. I, I laugh now because sometimes, you know, I love, I'm a radical, right? I've, I've been a radical in this space for a long time, but I have to keep making myself more radical. Otherwise I stand up in front of younger students in their 20s and they're like yeah but that's still part of the system that's still and I love how they push me on it because here I am thinking I'm saying something that would be radical in a different room that to them is not radical and so for me I take that and I'm like okay how do I then you know continue to like push the boundary um and you know not be afraid of that and I think it is just really about like, realizing like what you what actually needs to be done um and and stepping up to do that because if 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 you if not you who right i mean yeah yeah that's, a, that's such a great point such a great point uh, as we wrap up here ani i wonder if you would take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about you and your work how they can figure out how to find a copy of your book etc cetera, etc cetera. Absolutely. So um, if you go to adventure.finance, um, you'll find a few different options um, from your local bookstores um, to um, to Amazon and to the publisher, Paul Grape Macmillan. Um, you can also um, follow me on um, social media. I'm very easy to find. Ani is not a very common name. Um, so I am on LinkedIn. I post a lot of information um, on LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to um, my newsletter at adventure.finance um, and I send out um, some fun things every once in a while. The newsletter is not very regular, but um, every once in a while when I'm feeling like it, I sent some things out. Um, but in general, I um, I am available on social media and um, I have, um, I, I write stuff for a lot of different publications. So you can find a lot of resources online. Well, Ani, we are, we're thrilled to have had you on the show today. We, we love what you're doing and we want to wish you every success. Uh, I understand you're writing a new book when you get that finished. I hope you'll come back and we'll have a chance to talk about that again. We'd love to have you. Uh, so, you know, put us on your list for your press tour. But uh, again, we want to wish you every success in the great work that you're doing to change the world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Devin. All righty. Let's do some good.